And it seems to be those individuals that either have not served in the military themselves or they've never really been around anyone who has to talk with them or see the sacrifice that has taken place in their lives. And they don't understand the depth of emotion, I guess is what I want to say, the depth of emotion that is associated with veterans and with being a veteran. And then some people don't celebrate veterans and they don't celebrate Veterans Day because they feel that celebrating and honoring veterans is celebrating and honoring war itself. And let me say to you, it is not the same thing. Do you agree with that? War is not of God. It's not something that he thought, hey, let's put people against each other and see, if they, see who can kill the most and destroy the most. So we don't honor war itself. But, and as much as we hate war and the effects of war, we are forever grateful. Now listen, as much as we hate the war itself, we are forever grateful for the men and the women who were and are willing to go to bad places and be totally apart from their loved ones and their families and to fight and even die for those that they have left at home. That's, that's a, I think that's a healthy way to see it in a healthy way to view it. So that's why we honor veterans in this church and in this country. And we say, thank you. Thank you for doing what you have done and thank you for helping keep us. There's a word that we really like and that word is free. Thank you for helping keep us free. You know, even though we don't like war and even though we don't celebrate war, God, and this is hard for some people to reconcile and understand. Let me say that again. Even though we don't like it and even though we don't celebrate war, we do know that God ordains the principles of sending soldiers into battle to defeat evil. And we're going to see that in our scripture that I just had you turn to. It's Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse number 10 through 12, beginning with verse number 10. When thou comest nigh unto a city to fight against it, then proclaim peace unto it. Verse 11, and it shall be if it make thee answer of peace and open unto thee, then it shall be that all the people that is found therein shall be tributaries unto thee and they shall serve thee. And if it will make no peace with thee, but will make war against thee, then thou shalt besiege it. So we read that and we understand that in our own time that our veterans have, many of them have had to leave home and go to terrible places. They've had to be among terrible people and they had to be willing to do this and willing to spend their time away from loved ones. And while they've been away, they've remembered those loved ones. They've remembered their family. They've remembered their country in the midst of themselves being lonely and certainly being homesick. They were dedicated to their nation and they know that in some cases they may have to make the ultimate sacrifice. And that is giving their own lives for the sake of others. The ultimate sacrifice, giving their own lives for the sake of others. 
What do we call these kinds of people? Scripture calls them friends. God calls them friends. Listen to John chapter 15, verse 13. There's no greater love than this, than a man be willing to lay down his life for his friends. Think about that. I believe that that verse describes veterans. I think it can describe them very well. And even though he or she may not relish or, like, or like the idea of doing so, and they certainly don't look forward to it, they're willing to lay their lives down to save another if the situation deems it necessary. There's a lot of weight to all that we're talking about when we think about it that way. When we think about the sacrifice, the emotion uh, that, that takes place in a situation like that. So we celebrate our, our veterans, we honor our veterans, and I think we should give them what they need, and I think that we should give them what they deserve. And along with this, I think that we need to remember them and thank them for what they have done, and not just one day out of the year. And we need to respect them. And we, and we need to give them godly encouragement. What do you think about that? We need to do that and we need to encourage them. And so we take our lead from scripture and some of the scripture that we can take our lead from was written by Paul and comes from Romans chapter one, verses eight through 10. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request. If by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. So we need to encourage and we need to pray for our veterans. And anytime it comes across uh, our eyes, our ears, our minds to think about the difficulties, and there are many that our veterans have to go through uh, as they are currently ser serving or if they have served in the past. And when these things come to mind, we need to pray for them. We need to do something to encourage them. And prayer is one of the best things that, that we can do. Because you, you, you think about what we have because of those men and women who were willing to serve. You know, it's not preachers who gave us the freedom to worship. Nope, it's not preachers, pastors, evangelists. It was the veteran who was willing to do battle to help keep that freedom. It's not community leaders, it's not politicians who have made this nation a great nation. It's the veteran who was willing to stand and defend this nation. And it wasn't the lawyers that gave us the right to vote. It was the veteran who was willing to die if necessary to keep us from losing the right to vote. Do we understand what we enjoy in this country because of the sacrifices made, because of the service that these men and women have provided? They have given us so very much. And I think the most precious gift of all is that they gave us a part of themselves. They really did. And how can we, what can we do? How can we appreciate them for that? Again, we go to scripture and this time to Philippians chapter two, verse four. 
where it says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And I think part of looking out for the interest of our veterans, part of looking out for the interest and needs that they have is remembering them and paying attention to them. My heart leaps inside my chest when I see young people, little ones, even as young as Joey here, who go up to service men and service women, and they say that phrase that we've all heard, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for what you have done. This can come in the form of the spoken word or the written word. A lot of things that the written word can do. We know because of this written word how it's changed our lives. But when you sit down and write something that an individual can pull out at a later date and be encouraged and remember the thought and the effort and the emotion that went into the written word that that they have sent to you, it's such a big deal. So we need to pay attention to them. And we need to remember. And, And we look back to our own country. Look back to the beginnings of our country when our founding fathers wanted to get away from the tyranny that they faced in England. And so they set out for this new land that we live in so they could start over. But the problem was that when they got here, uh, the, the folks that were over them over there wanted to be over them over here. But th- it's eerily similar, too, if you think about it, to the people of Israel. When they left the tyranny of Egypt and they were heading for the promised land. But these founding fathers of ours, that problem that they faced is that England still wanted to rule over them. And so they had a hard decision to make. They were either going to allow that to happen. Let's just go ahead and let, I mean, they've come, they want to be over us over here. Let's just let it happen. Or they had to stand up and fight to be free, knowing that many of them could and would lose their lives. And you know, that's, that's, that's why we have the country that we have today, because they chose to fight for freedom. For freedom above most things, freedom to worship but many other freedoms as well. And every generation that has come after that, and there's been a lot, I don't know how many, has had to fight their own fights and has had to fight in their own wars. And maybe many of us remember or know of people in our genealogy, in our family tree that have fought in the Civil War or World War I, or World War II. Maybe we had grandfathers, great-grandfathers who fought in those battles. Maybe we have family members like I did that fought in the Korean conflict or in Vietnam. And maybe some of our uncles and aunts and, and young people, children, have fought in the Gulf War in Iraq. Or maybe they're getting ready to be deployed even now. There's been wars and rumors of wars, and that's even today. But you know, just just like the American revolutionary soldier went to war so his children and neighbors could be free, just as those who went to both world wars did the same thing, and just as soldiers in the Vietnam and Iraq and Afghanistan conflicts, they're 
they, they chose to leave their home, to leave their homeland, to be able to fight and do what they can to make sure that we were free, just like they did. They, they were really following the example of someone else who left his homeland to come here so we could be free. And you know who that is? That's Jesus. He left heaven to come and be with us walk with us, minister to us and with us, die for us, rise again for us, and offer salvation for us so that we could be free from sin and free from evil. That's what he did. And he is the Savior. He is our Savior. I don't know if he's everybody's Savior in here today. I do know that he can be. And I do know that he wants to be. So listen, I take my hat off and I salute those who have served in the militaries and in the forces in this country to give us the freedoms that we have. And it's them that deserve our remembrance and it's them that deserve our salutes. But it's Jesus that deserves our worship. It's Jesus who we give our hearts to. Amen. And so we learn in both cases to remember and our hearts grieve at the pain that sometimes people have to go through. We think about Jesus on the cross. We think about the pain he experienced. We think about the pain of a, of a young man or a young woman that has to leave their family for long stretches to serve this country and help work for the freedoms that we enjoy. And so we need to remember them and we need to know what their desires are and we need to celebrate what their accomplishments are. We need to take the time to learn what those things are. Their thoughts were not on themselves, but their thoughts were on us. They thought not about themselves, but what, what they could do to help others. Not concerned so much about their safety as they were for the safety of others. And they need to be remembered. They need to be thanked. They need to be supported. And in the case of Jesus, he needs to be exalted he needs to be followed and he needs to be remembered. And speaking about all of this, you know, it helps me to remember how thankful and how glad and how proud I am to be an American. Is there anybody else in here today who's, who's thankful to be an American, to be an American citizen? I am so thankful and I appreciate that. And as I get older and, and, and hopefully wiser, I realize what a big deal that is more and more. But also as I get older and also as I get wiser, hopefully, I understand that I am even more thankful and more proud to be a child of God and to be a Christian and to know what that means and to know that I'm a person that realizes the value of a, a future spent in heaven with him because of the decisions that I have made in my life and the decisions that I continue to make every day. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse number 43. You have heard that, in, that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So, so we've been talking about war. We've been talking about people who have had to go to war and do difficult things and put their lives on the line. We've talked about scripture that, that 
shows that, that God supports the principles of going in with soldiers and taking care of evil. And then we read this, you know, love your enemies. And is it possible, is it possible to go to war with the realization that if you are in a battle, you may have to injure and hurt someone else. Is it possible to love that person? Boy, these are the, the things that keep us up at night and, and cause us to question a lot of things about God. But you know, we've got enemies. You and I have enemies today. We have enemies all around us. And we can look at history and we can see how enemies have come together in difficult times. And I read a story and I want to share this story with you. And we're getting close to finishing up. We're not going to be here much longer, but I appreciate your attention. And this is the story about a prisoner of war. He was an American Army sergeant. His name was William Hickory. And he was in a Japanese internment camp in World War II. And in the middle of one very cold winter, he and some other American prisoners of war were being transported from one camp to another camp higher up in the mountains. And it was very, very cold and they were being transported on an open car on the train, which meant that there were no sides. They were on the train and they felt every cold blast of wind that came their way. And so they came to a, a train station, they came to a stop, and it wasn't long before another train pulled up beside of them and stopped. And there was another car just like theirs that was open. But instead of American prisoners of war, it was full of Japanese that had been gravely wounded and many were dying. And so they, the Americans stared in disbelief at all the suffering that was taking place on the other train. Okay, so do you have compassion for the enemy? Do you, what do you do in a situation like that? You just turn around and not pay attention? There were medics on the American side that left the, left the train, their train, and went to the other train and began to try to help and offer assistance and medical care to those that were wounded. And then others began to follow and they brought water and they brought some of their rations over to help. And still other Americans just came over to hold the hands of soldiers and speak to them and talk to them and pray for them. And so you got Japanese here that don't speak a word of English and you've got Americans coming over here and praying in, in English and they don't understand what's being said, but they understand the intent of what the Americans were doing. They could see it in their eyes. You know, people that they gladly would have killed a week or two prior, they were holding their hands and praying for them. Is this not loving your enemy being demonstrated in real time? One American later said that when it came time for him to leave, that the soldier whose hand he was holding would not let go because he needed that closeness of the American in that time of great suffering that he was going through. So Sergeant Hickory said that he watched all of this as it took place between the enemy soldiers. And he, he said that it was amazing. And what he saw was he saw love being demonstrated really from both sides. And it was in that moment that he, he thought to himself and remembered the stories from his childhood of a God 
who loved this world so much that he sent his son to die on the cross to take care of our sins, to pay for our way so that we could be saved, we could be forgiven, and we could go to heaven and we could all be together and there would be no wars and there would be no death. And it was in that moment that he realized that this was a God. And in the midst of suffering and even in the midst of death, when so many people become jaded, this was the moment where he realized that he wanted to know God and he wanted to know Jesus. And he gave his life to Jesus in that moment. You know, we live in a world that is fallen because of sin and because of that people do not get along and people hate each other. But when a person is willing to open up their heart and life to Jesus Christ, things can happen that would never have happened otherwise. Amen? People can become brothers that were once enemies. And see, in our country today, we have so many enemies around us. We've got, we've got political parties that hate each other. We've got one skin color fighting against another skin color. We've got dissension against different groups and neighbors. But we have all been called to lay down these differences and be united according to what Christ has laid down in his word. You know, a small minority of people were offended at all things godly. And so a couple of generations ago, they sued to have prayer taken out of schools. And Christians, for the most part, stood idly by because they were comfortable and everything was okay. And, you know, and then it became a thing to try to get prayer out of schools and not allow prayer to be to be said. And let's make it illegal. And again, Christians kind of stood back. And it seems in, in the decades that we've gone through recently that Christians are being sued and persecuted for everything that we do and for everything that we say. When we have the chance to, to fight this, when we have the chance to speak truth in this situation, to give truth and to give the love of Christ in those situations, are we doing that or are we just doing nothing because we're comfortable? Isn't it so easy to stay at home on our couches and watch TV and think, well, somebody will do something. Somebody's going to do something. And so now, because of all of this that's happened, we've got a couple of generations who believe that God should be left out of our public lives and that Christians are wrong and that Christians are evil. Remember when people used to come to Christians and say, hey, I know you're a Christian. I know you go to church. I want you to pray for me. And now Christians are looked at with contempt and disgust. Because we don't agree with the ways of the world and, and the way that culture is moving and the things that culture says. You know, in some situations, our, our own soldiers can't take Bibles with them if they're being deployed to Islamic nations. And sometimes military chaplains are asked not to invoke the name of Jesus as they preach and as they pray. What? What has happened? When we came to this country... To have religious freedom, to be able to worship God freely. And here we are today, not so many centuries later, and our government sits back and scratches their head and they wonder why things are not going well in America anymore. And I think we need to follow the example of the Israelites in Scripture. You know, they lived in Egypt. And for a while, they were loved by the Pharaoh that they had. 
He blessed them. And they had abundance and they enjoyed living where they lived. But one day came when a new Pharaoh took his place over Egypt and he changed things for the worse for the Israelites and he put them all under slavery. They were captive as slaves and they stayed that way for over 400 years. This is God's chosen people. And people who like to ask questions like, why does God allow suffering? And why does God allow children to die? And why does God allow this? And why does God allow that? Would ask the question, well, why did it take God so long to, to free them? Why did it take God so long to notice them? I mean, 400 years, that's a long time. But here's the deal. It took the Israelites that long to refocus and cry out to God for help in unity as a nation. And God put things in motion for them to be able to be set free. And so what do we do as a nation when we see our country in the shape that it's in? And we see it moving in a direction that we don't like. And, and we've, because of inactivity in years past, wonder, well, what can we do now? It's gotten to this point. I think we have to call out to God. And I, have, I think we need to pray. We need to pray fervently. But here's something else we need to understand. That God has promised that there will come a time when things will not be good and he's going to come back. And he's working things out to that point right now. So even though we would like to see things different in our country and in our nation and see a big turnaround of this and a big turnaround of that, it may be that God is working things to a point and allowing things because he is his imminent return. Jesus' imminent return is very close. So does that mean we stop praying for our country? Absolutely not. We pray for our country. And many times when we talk about this, we read this verse here, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, I will then hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their lands. And oh, how we cling to that verse and oh, how we use that verse and, and, and sling it around and say, this is what we need to do. And this is, this is the guidance that we need for our nation. But do you realize that this verse was not meant for Christians, that this verse was meant for Israel? And when you read it, it, you know, there should be some things that we read that don't kind of jive with what it means to be a Christian in America today. I mean, God is not up in heaven trying to hear our prayers. He is, for the Christian, living in us. He is one with us in spirit. And in this verse, he is speaking about the land of Israel. But today, he is concerned about the hearts of men. He is not concerned about the soil of America. He is concerned about the soil of a lost man's heart. He is concerned about people knowing him. And he wants everyone to come to salvation through Jesus Christ. So this is not about bowing down and seeking a God that we have already found. We've already found him. The God of all creation found through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what we know. And you know, for the, for the saved person, when you called upon the name of Jesus, 
When I called upon the name of Jesus, you were saved and I was saved. So now we don't have to hunger and we don't have to thirst and we don't have to look for him because we found him in the person of Jesus Christ. He will forgive our sin and heal our land. We don't have to wait and wonder if He will forgive our sins because of the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel for every believer is it is finished. It is finished. Our sins are forgiven. Is there an amen in the house? Our sins are forgiven. And as for this land that we live in and you know, the only geography that matters is our being in Christ. That's the territory that is important. Our being in Christ and his being in us is what matters. The, the United States is not the new Israel. God is desiring to save everyone. Those are true statements. Here's a true statement. It is a great blessing for us to live in the United States of America. But always remember this, our hope is not in a new political party taking power or a new president or a new leader. Our hope, and hear this, is in Jesus alone. There is hope to be found in no one or nothing else. So if we're looking at the television hoping that things have taken a turn for the better, and looking for men and women to make it better, then our hope is misplaced. Our hope is in Christ alone. We talk about healing our land. Listen, my healing has already taken place. As a child of God, your healing has already taken place. Is there another amen in the house? Your healing and my healing has taken place. By his stripes, we have been filled. We have been healed. And... We've already been forgiven. Forgiveness has already been issued to the believer. It is finished. So in short, as believers, we have a close relationship with God through a belief in Jesus Christ, His Son. And I finish with this, and I want you to bow your heads, and I want you to hear this. We have a close relationship with our Father God through belief in Jesus Christ, our Son. And that's a relationship that was made possible when Jesus voluntarily left his home to come to a hostile land with a people who worked tirelessly until they were able to secure his execution, his death on a cross. They intended, their intentions were to silence him forever and then go about their lives and live their lives the way they always had and the way they wanted to. But God had a plan for his son. God had a plan for this soldier of the cross. And his plan was to make it possible for you and me to be free. For us to be free. So he died to pay for our freedom. And for those who have accepted that sacrifice and have called out to Christ for salvation, no matter what happens to the geography of this nation or what happens to the geography of this planet, we will be safe 
We will be secure and we will be confident in the sacrifice that was made on our behalf by the precious Lamb of God. Glory, hallelujah, amen. And if you know this precious soldier, this precious Son of God, Jesus, then count yourself blessed because you have everything that you need to make it. If you don't know him, count yourself blessed because you can. It's your choice and your decision. And as we all stand this morning, and with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I would call out to those first that are lost and know that they're not saved. You know if you're saved. And if you're not, you know that hopefully by what we've talked about and try to talk about every time we're here together, that Jesus Christ died to provide salvation and forgiveness and eternal life for you. Call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. He has done the work that needs to be done. He's done it all. Let that sink in. So if you need to come today and, and give your life,